This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. may have taken almost eight months but Saints finally have a win on the road and what a goal to earn the points. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. I'm Martin Stark and each week I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts to reflect on the last seven days following Southampton Football Club. Coming up this week on the pod, reaction to that first away win of the season against Watford, the cup exit at Chelsea and we look ahead to the visit of Aston Villa to St Mary's on Friday evening. First of all, let me introduce you to our guests this week, owner of Saints Web, Steve Grant. How's your week in the sun been, Steve? Uh, yeah, nice and hot. Uh, <laughs> been to yeah, been to a couple of cricket matches since we last spoke. Uh, two, two more crushing England wins, and obviously yesterday's one was particularly satisfying against, um, against Australia. Are you um, able to get some work in between the cricket? Yeah, I've been work, been working during the week. Um, so yeah, all, all, all absolutely fine. Yeah, I'll be be starting early tomorrow to make sure I can uh, get myself down to Sharjah for the uh, Sri Lanka game tomorrow night. Fantastic. Uh, also with us is writer of the blog League One minus ten. That's Glenn Delacour. You were at the game yesterday. How's your throat, Glenn? Yeah, sore. Yeah, it's 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 just ninety minutes of uh, of yelling, and uh, yeah, got a bit of a sore throat. Kept kept off a good week. I had a week off last week, so I didn't really do much. Um, last week, uh, although you know, on the last podcast, I did a shout out to the Southampton music venues. I went to uh, another Southampton institution this week, which was IKEA. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a, it's a bit like dignitas. People go there to die prematurely. It's horrendous. Did, it's did just a horrendous. No, I didn't do the meatballs. It, it was just a. It's just a soul crushing experience. But uh, did you take but, yeah. my advice of um, using all of those? Um, using all the shortcuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried. 
<laughs> no, it was it was it was kind of a let's just get from A to B and wander around. But I dragged dragged my son along, so that was that was that was good fun just to watch his misery. So by comparison, I was um, I was positively cheerful all the tell way me, around. Tell me that you bought the mini dime bars though. You came away with those, right? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. four pound ninety five just to have all your teeth fall out. Lovely. <laughs> uh, also with us is the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter Dan Sheldon. How's your week been, Dan? Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, really good. As I had a week off the prior to that, so it was good kind of getting back into the swing of things and busy week with Chelsea and Watford, two away trips. But yeah, really good fun. Thank you. Good. And of course, the biggest hello and thank you is always reserved to our patrons wherever you might be listening this week. It's all very much appreciated. Welcome to episode 174 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints have their first away win since March with a 1-0 victory at Watford. Glenn, we mentioned you were there to watch this one. What were your thoughts on the game? We made every weather of it. My word, did we? Um, We should have won by a lot bigger margin than what we did win by. Uh, first half in particular, you know, I think Ralph said it in, in his in his interviews after the game, should have been three or four. The fact that we finished the game with only, only having had one shot on target is both ridiculous and it's it, it's somewhat telling given given the openings that we created and subsequently uh didn't get on target brilliant goal you know out of out of nothing you know there are moments when you attack and you you get excited because you think there's something that's coming well that was that was just out of nowhere you know he he, he was away from the goal and then he suddenly side footed it in the top corner and it's a it's a stunning goal and Che Adams is summed up in a nutshell by the header he then managed to um <laughs> bounce over the bar with his nose or whatever it was straight afterwards which would have made it a lot more comfortable um I know we've thrown away a lot of leads in the past sort of couple of years but two goals against Watford would have would have been enough to sort of canter through the second half um what, what's the away experience like at Vicarage Road um, it's a nice little ground. It's very, it's very compact. I mean, it's funny. It's been, a, it's been a number of years, at least twenty years, since I went there last. And it wouldn't surprise me if you told me they've rebuilt all four stands. It, it's, it, it didn't sort of jog any memory at all. Uh, maybe I was drunk the last time I went. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. Um, you know, you're, you're away in the corner as you tend to be in most most away grounds. But uh, I have to say, the Saints fans were very, very vocal from um, from the first minute to the last. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I can't imagine it was anything but a positive thing for the players to to be out there with uh, with that backing. So it was a, a very enjoyable day out. Four changes for the Saints lineup. James Ward-Prowse coming back in. Dan, you pretty much called that. How did you think he did on his return? Yeah, I thought you can't be like kind of too critical. Southampton won at the end of the day, I think. I was semi-surprised to see him subbed off because it's not something you normally see, Ward-Prowse leaving a Premier League pitch early. Um, but at the same time, I was disappointed that Diallo didn't start. I was really kind of mixed about the whole prowse Diallo thing. I couldn't quite make up my mind on what I wanted Ralph to do. But as a whole, I thought, you know, Prousey was was okay. I don't think he did anything kind of amazing, but I don't think he did anything pretty woeful, sort of as you'd expect. You know, if someone hasn't played football in a little while since the international break, came back into the team and yeah, I mean, he, he's got a good partnership with Romeo anyway. I, st- I, I think I'm kind of leaning towards, I wish... Diallo started because I, I don't know I've just been so impressed with him over the last few weeks so yeah I, I don't know I'm, I'm kind of torn with Prousey and and how he did and how he got on 
it's an interesting debate, isn't it? Should he have to fight for his place in the team or does he come straight back in because he's captain? And you're sort of 50-50 on that, Dan. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, I just think, I don't know, it's a really weird one with Prowsey because he he embodies, like if you speak to all the players and they're like, you know, he just is Mr. Southampton and he embodies everything that Ralph wants from a player, a player on the pitch. But I, I don't think that should necessarily guarantee you a starting spot, but it would have been a massive call, a massive, massive call if, you know, for Ralph to drop a player that he hasn't dropped in God knows how long in the league, um, who was also his captain, you know, that would, that would just send, you know, it'd be a big message, wouldn't it? And, you know, they just gave him a a new fresh terms on a five-year deal. So I I think it would have taken a, a massive, massive call for Ralph to make. And he's probably... You know, of the two, dropping Diallo was always going to be easier than dropping Prousey. And I'm not saying he's taken the easy route out, but, you know, what he's done it was the easier, less damaging option, I would say. Like, Diallo being dropped, Diallo will kind of accept that and accept his role in the team. If you drop Prousey, it sends a completely different message. It's a great problem to have, though. Um, started on the front foot yesterday, as so often, pretty much set the tone for the game. What were your thoughts, Steve? Well, yeah, I mean, we could have been 1-0 up straight from kickoff, much like... <laughs> Last time, um, last time we had uh, fans at Vicarage Road, um, not quite as quick, but it was not far off, was it? I think when when we put that cross in and Cathcart's almost stuck it past his own keeper. Yeah, I mean we were we were right at it from the start, and yeah. I think, I mean as as we've said, we had we obviously created so many chances, and I mean one one thing that that does kind of get a little bit. Um, distorted when you talk about shots on target. Obviously, the on-target numbers only count when the ball actually reaches the goal. I think we had five or six of our 12 or 13 shots that were blocked. I mean, certainly second half, Armstrong adds one, maybe two that were um, that were deflected, that looked on target. And I think Romeo had one first half as well that was, that was at least on target. I mean, probably not strong enough to to trouble the keeper, but it, but it was it was kind of it was at least going to be on target and making the keeper do something at least. Um, so yeah, I, I think one one of the issues we've kind of spoken about is when we've created chances and just not had that clinical clinical edge, and that's I mean that was kind of illustrated perfectly, wasn't it? And we and we got away with it to an extent in that um, Watford were that bad that they only really created two chances all game and it's a frustrating one isn't it because we we kind of had had a similar thing with Adams a year or two back where he was kind of you always had the impression he was snatching at shots and while I don't I don't think Armstrong is snatching at shots I think he's deliberately taking shots really early because in the championship that um, served him so well because you get that fraction more space between you and a defender yeah. Um, so you can you can kind of line your shot up a, a fraction of a second earlier, um, and also it, the keepers there um, down that level aren't anywhere near as good. So if you get it on target, you're basically probably going to score. Whereas at this level, you you don't have you you're um, you're being closed down a fraction of a second quicker. So therefore, he's not quite getting them on target. I mean, you saw the saw those shots that he was taking sort of on on the turn on the edge of the area, two or three of them that, that flashed what within a foot of the post. So it's, it's fine margins. And I think, I mean, his performance yesterday was, was excellent. And I, I think if he carries up, carries on like that. And I think the luck kind of the luck factor, I think will, will kind of turn eventually. And, and he'll have a, he'll kind of do what Adams does and go on a little run of scoring 
um, those chances rather than rather than putting them just the wrong side of the post. Let's hope so. Um, Glenn, it felt like we handled Watford really well. They never looked like getting back into the game, certainly from what I've seen. Is that fair? Um, pretty much. The, the selection of Carl Walker-Peters at left-back was, was interesting because Ismail Assar is their best player. And he he certainly is the, is the biggest threat. I mean, as we touched on last week, Josh King mm-hmm. didn't notice him all game. Didn't, Patrick, didn't Patrick no- Hero last week, wasn't he? And then didn't notice him. Yeah. Um, Salasu just, you know, uh, you talk about it in the pocket. Didn't Josh King honestly didn't see him. Not not a thing. Ismail Assar was interesting because he he did he did cause a few problems, but in the main, Walker Peters handled him really really well. Um, and and eventually, Sar just resorted to diving about every time he couldn't get the better of Walker Peters he just dived about he, he did that quite a few times and it was it was getting embarrassing in the end and I, you know, I really do wish that referees would clamp down on it a little bit but uh, but I have to say Walker Peters was excellent going the other way as well because he was he was happy to go inside and out he was crossing the ball with his left foot okay it wasn't always it wasn't always a, a lot of quality on the crosses but he he has obviously worked. You know, he's obviously either been told or worked out that he's he can't just cut inside every time. Otherwise, he's not going to get in the team at left back. And I think we all know now he's not going to get in the team at right back. So yeah. he has got to um, he, he he has got to you know he's got to improve on that. And uh, and uh, you know I thought he was our best player yesterday. I know I know people have um, sort of pointed at Tino and um, and Salasu again, but uh, but I thought Walker Peters was absolutely excellent yesterday, and he. he he went a long, a long way to shutting Watford down. Watford were very basic. They, they didn't really have a lot. A couple of times we fell for the same tactic, which was um, Watford line up all their players on our right and then boot it down the left to where Saar is. And, you know, you've got 20 players over one side of the pitch and two over the other side. And, and it, it annoyed me that we got caught by it once, let alone twice. So that was, um, you know, that would, but that, that was kind of the limit of what Watford had. It was, you know, pinging the ball long early into space and and they you know they're quite quick up front but but they didn't they honestly didn't didn't create anything much until that that chance in the last um in the last minute i mean we had to we had to be aware of giving the ball away um when we were attacking and and that includes corners that came in and went straight to the goalkeeper because well, that, that counter attack was where the, yeah. where the one was cleared off the line was from yeah. there, from our corner, wasn't it? Yeah, a couple of times we gave away soft possession, trying to play a through ball, you know, right on the edge of the box sort of thing. And we, we got caught a couple of times. But, you know, a couple of years ago, when our sort of scramble defence, when we're all trying to get back, w- was dodgy. But we seem to be a lot a lot better at that now. And a lot of that is down to the down to the pace we've got in the back four now. Um, especially Salasu, who's just, uh, he's just um, getting better and better with every game. Let's talk about Che Adams first then and the goal. First league goal of the season made it look effortless. But Dan, you were also impressed with his work off the ball. Yeah, I think Glenn will probably, uh, well, I hope he will attest to this. He was just, he didn't stop running. No. Um, kind of all afternoon, he was just nonstop, like absolutely, he was relentless in, in his pressing and his closing down. And yeah, his work off the ball was just as impressive uh, as his goal for me. I think the goal was obviously just, you know, a touch of absolute class. And he's he's a bit weird like that, isn't he? Like he'd do nothing for 10 games and then just like miss all the chances you'd expect him to to score and then pull that out of the hat. And, you know, if you gave him, like if you said to do that again, I doubt he probably could. The way he just turned so quickly and picked his spot and yeah, put it, put it beyond Foster was just, yeah, exceptional. But it was his whole round game was just, for me, superb. I thought he kind of had a bit of a point to prove. 
coming into the, it was a big opportunity for him and Adam Armstrong. You know, Brozier was injured. You know, he's kind of replaced them, and you know, many think that he's probably their most dangerous attacker. And you know, his goals in recent weeks probably suggest he is. So, you know, that one of them. Well, they both needed to come in and put in decent performances. And Adams has got the goal, and you know, he's followed it up with his finish against Chelsea, which was perhaps more instinctive. Whereas this one was just, yeah, it was just absolute class. I've just seen it on a replay now as I'm scrolling through Twitter. So I was really impressed with how he kind of followed up that that goal at Stamford Bridge with his whole round performance. And you can see why Ralph, you know, does stick with him because, you know, Ralph is very big on work off the ball. And with Adams, you know, you're going to get that. You know, he's not, he's not shy of kind of putting a shift in and, and leading from the front. Ralph did say after the game, though, he does make the difficult ones and he misses the easy ones. And I know you referenced that header, Steve. And he, he does go on his streets, doesn't he? It's either a drought or it's a run of goals. So let's hope it's uh, it's the latter. But were you impressed, Steve, yesterday? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, th- I think looking back at the replay of that header, I, th- I think to class it as a as an absolute sort of scandalous glaring miss is is probably quite harsh because it's absolutely fired at him and it's at a height that's one of those where you got to make a split second decision of whether you're heading it or whether you're probably going to put some other body part in the way i think probably heading it was i mean well as as the the end result was shown it was the it was the wrong decision he probably should have basically just tried to stick his shin on it or his knee or i mean even, even his thigh or his chest or something um, just divert it from the position he was in because there was there was so much pace on the ball across that actually heading it, he kind of had to contort his body and head it, and there was no way that he was going to be able to have any control over where the ball went. So I think I think sort of criticism for that one's a little bit harsh. I think um, Armstrong's one where he um, where he had the free header at the back post I think was was probably a probably an easier chance to get on target certainly. So we should have put the game to bed in the first half really. Glenn, was it more a case of poor finishing or poor decision making or perhaps a bit of both uh, a bit of both i mean we touched on the we touched on the the uh, the finishing the some of the decision making with the the final ball i, I you know we, we, i dig out nice from redmond a lot he had one of his frustrating games yesterday where every sort of like attempted through ball was either under hit or over hit it was under hit and got intercepted or it was over hit and it ran out for a for a goal kick sort of thing so he did a lot of really good stuff sort of further back linking play and stuff like that and he combined really well with Walker Peters but I thought his crossing just, was good actually yeah um, the, quite a few of, on his left foot as well yeah yeah it, it seems to be so you know you've got two right footed players down there you 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 can't I mean the last time we tried that was that Wolves game when we were crap at home um, where everyone was cutting inside all the time we didn't have any width on the left hand side so both him and Walker Peters were, were happy to put the cross over but there, there wasn't you know some of the some of the crosses we there wasn't a lot of quality on them. Um, Elianusi didn't produce a great amount from the right hand side either. So there, there, there was a there, there were issues in both, but we, you know in both finishing and creating. But we we did create enough chances to have scored uh, more goals than we did. And you know, whilst I never really felt like Watford were going to score, it it took a good save in the end from McCarthy to um, to stop them nicking what would have been a, ri- a ridiculous point or a ridiculous two points dropped as far as we were concerned. But uh, all's well that ends well. Got there in the end. Do you think it's something that is going to cost us going forward, Dan, this, this inability to convert all the chances that we seem to be creating at the moment? I think you could probably argue it already has cost Southampton throughout the season. And, it you know, until they... I, that, that, you you sense that in one game they're just going to put three or four past the team, 
and it will just kind of happen like that. But I saw, I said to Steve before we started recording, I think Watford were so bad uh, at the weekend and I don't want to be negative. Like I'm probably negative enough. I don't want to be any more negative than I already am. But a better team would punish Southampton. You know, a better team would create more chances than Watford did. You know, Southampton can't afford to keep on wasting these chances. Ralph said they should have been three or four in a lap at half time and that was absolutely right. And then you're watching the second half and well, I certainly watched the second half and I was saying to my colleague, Adam Leventhal, this will either be a draw or Saints will win 1-0 because they're not going to score another goal um, with all these chances they're missing. One thing I I should probably just point out on that though is, as again, I said to to Steve, their run from October to now has been like super impressive from the international break in October to now has been really impressive. So I don't think you can kind of criticise them too much for for missed chances or or whatever. You know, they've played three times, won twice and drawn the other um, against a decent, kind of always hard to beat Burnley. Although, I say hard to beat Burnley. I mean, they've only just won their first game uh, yesterday, but you kind of get what I'm saying. So I think, yeah, they they will get punished for, for missed chances. Um, and do I think they can carry on doing it? No, but yeah, it doesn't look like they're going to stop anytime soon. Final word on the strikers then, Steve. Adams and Armstrong looking better as a pair yesterday. Where does Brozier fit into that mix when he's fully recovered? I mean, it's a nice problem for us to have. Does he, does he come straight back in? Christ knows. Um, <laughs> I mean... <sighs> Ultimately, it depends. I mean, t- certainly looking looking forward to to the weekend. Obviously, Friday night game, which gives Brozier less time, a day le- basically a day less to recover from his ankle injury. Um, realistically, if he doesn't train an awful lot this week, then at best he's going to be on the bench. And I mean, there's an argument that that Adams and Armstrong have played well as a partnership in this game um, this weekend, and they don't deserve to be to have that broken up. I mean, I think you've got to kind of pick your poison sometimes. Um, so it may well be that they do some analysis and work out where Villa's particular weaknesses defensively are. I mean, basically crosses into the box. Judging from what I've seen of them so far, so far this season, they look they look absolutely pathetic against set pieces. Um, so maybe Brozier is the option for that game if he's fit. But yeah, I mean, nice nice problem to have uh, when you've got three three strikers who are who are all playing well, even if they're not all necessarily scoring loads of goals. Um, there is at least you can kind of justify the the selection or non selection of any of them. And of course, one goal is always enough if you keep a clean sheet. Fourth clean sheet of the season yesterday. I think we should spend a couple of minutes just on the back five. I know we've we've mentioned it already, but looking better and better as the weeks go on, Glenn. Yeah, they are. I mean, it, you know, it was a it was a bit of a surprise that Walker Peters was picked, but the you know the way it panned out because I mean, well, Perot had done nothing wrong, Eddie, but Walker Peters played well in the in the cup game against Chelsea, albeit on the right hand side. So he he came back in. Yeah. I, I think the the Salasu Bednarek partnership is looking good, and and I liked I like what we did in the last five minutes when you know we're going to talk about the Chelsea game in a minute. Lianco had a really good game as like the 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 middle of the the back three in that game, and he made a difference when he came on. It was only for sort of like five minutes, but we were under a little bit of pressure from Watford at the end, and he, and he came on and uh, and did did the job. So you know we haven't we've we barely mentioned Livermento, who was. You know, he's just turning it in every game at the moment. He, he was really, really good again. He had a bit of a bit of a challenge. I, I don't know who the Watford number 12 was. They bought him on at halftime, but he was quicker than the guy who went off. So, but Livermento adapted his game. He didn't, he didn't go charging forward as much because he knew that, 
he, he had someone with you know similar place pace to what he's got to to look after at the other end. So he had another good game, and they do seem to be they do seem to be functioning a lot better as a as a unit. And um, yeah, long, long may it continue. You wouldn't have thought that a team that replaced basically its entire back four would um, would, would sort of like gel this quickly and 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 do do this well, but. It's um it's good it's good to see and um yeah it's it's nice to have a bit more pace in the defence it it certainly um is showing up as being more and more important as the games go on. Is uh, Lianco starting to win you over yet, Dan? Are you starting to uh, to see the value? Yeah, he was he was very good against against Chelsea and he was his cameo at the weekend was impressive as well. I mean, I still kind of just chuckle about that performance at Sheffield because it was absolutely <laughs> horrific, but he's he's bounced back really well. You can't criticise him, and yeah, I wasn't expecting that. When I saw him in the starting eleven against Chelsea, I thought, "Oh no, here we go. This is going to be really interesting." But yeah, he proved me wrong, and long may that continue. Just on the the defence, one person I want to kind of single out because I think he still gets a serious amount of unfair criticism is Alex McCarthy. You know, he in in recent weeks when he's had to make a save, he I know this is his job, blah blah blah. But when he's had to make a save, he has made a you know some good stops, and the one yesterday was another good stop. That's as you say, that's four clean sheets now, and it's kind of amazing what happens when you back a goalkeeper, give him a new contract and stop changing him every other week that you actually get a bit of consistency and a decent level of performance. And I, I was thinking today, are there, you know, at the moment, you know, are there three better goalkeepers in England than him? You know, if Sam Johnston's getting into the last England squad, you know, who's, is McCarthy not further ahead of him? You know, they got pumped 3-0 at the weekend, West Brom. So I, I'd actually quite like to see him rewarded for his form with an England call-up, whether that happens, probably not. But I think he's certainly deserving of one. And your thoughts on yesterday's back five, Steve? McCarthy, obviously the save at the end, we just mentioned um, with his legs, but um, everybody putting a shift in, I thought. Yeah, pretty pretty solid overall. I mean, I think with, with McCarthy, I mean, that, that one in injury time was obviously the big one. Would have been interesting to see the reaction had the one that we cleared off the line actually gone in because it looked like it was a bit of a soft shot uh, right at the near post. Um, you but, mean a confidence yeah. thing? What, how, how they would have reacted well, to that? Well, no, in, in terms of the reaction to whether McCarthy should have saved it. Right, yeah. Um, because it looked like it kind of squirmed through a little bit. Um, but yeah, over, overall, um, the goalkeeping situation seems to have seems to have calmed down a little bit. I mean, obviously, we're not doing that fairly insane thing that we were doing. Was it was that back end of last season? I, yeah. I, I yeah. Don't lose, lose track of time now when we, when we were basically picking picking them for two games at a time and then sw- switching them out just for just for seemingly someone's weird pleasure. But also Ralph um, trying to style it out like it was normal. It's like, yeah, yeah it's fine. You know, why wouldn't you have two number ones? That you I mean, I mean to, be, to, be fa- to be fair to him, Forster in the, in, the game, in the cup games he's played, and he obviously had nothing to do against Newport, but Sheffield United and Chelsea, he was excellent in both of those games. Um, so there is also actually some genuine competition for places. So McCarthy also knows that, um, I mean, while it seems almost inevitable that Forster's off in, at the end of the season with his contract expiring and being one of our highest paid players, his performances are keeping McCarthy on his toes. And if, whereas if, if Forster had basically just phoned it in for those two cup games, then then you wouldn't necessarily have seen the level of concentration from, from McCarthy and therefore those sort of level of competent performances. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I'd quite quite go as far as Dan as to say should be should be in the England squad. I think there's probably five or six keepers ahead of him. And who? And partic- 
Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you're going to have um, Pickford. Pope, Ramsdale. Uh, Pope, Ramsdale. Oh. I think, you know, Pope, Pope's a funny one because he, I mean, he had... I'm not sure on that. I th- well, I, th- I think in Southgate's mind, Pope is ahead of him because he's been in and around the squad for the last oh, yeah. four I, I, I don't years. think McCarthy will get called up, but I, certainly, I don't think there are three better goalkeepers than him right now at the moment in terms of form. I don't think Pope's playing better than McCarthy at the moment, but I, no, I don't think Alex not. will get called up because Southgate Impossible. is weird with his selections. But I'm just saying, I think I don't think there are three better goalkeeper, English goalkeepers than him. Yeah, I think I think, Ram, I think Ramsdale's the big the big move. I mean, I, I I've said said this before. I don't particularly rate him, but he's he's having a good time of things with with Arsenal at the moment. I mean, that's that save yesterday was absolutely. Oh, oh, Ian Wright was raving about him, wasn't he yesterday? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I mean, ultimately. When Arsenal come up against someone half decent and start peppering shots at him, we'll see. We'll see how he goes when there's one that's not quite going in the corner, and he somehow his arm suddenly shrinks. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll, 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 see, we'll see, see what the uh, see what the media reaction yeah. is to that. But um, no, I mean he's. I think he's he's next in line at the moment. Probably probably going ahead of Johnston at, at this stage. So one one thing I will say about um, Alex McCarthy is that his his form went off the cliff when we got beat 9-0 with him in goal. And it, it certainly took him a long time to recover. Yeah, weirdly, even though none of the goals were his fault. That was... But he also came back from COVID as well, didn't he? Yeah, he, he just seemed to he just seemed to, to lose it for quite a while. And he wasn't the same. He now seems to have got back to the levels that he was showing before that game. I wonder which... if COVID had anything to do with that. Oh, because he, he tested positive, COVID, didn't he? Didn't he around the turn of the year. Drop out the team, yeah. yeah. I wonder whether he had any like kind of long-term affair I mean I don't know I'm just just wondering but yeah his confidence definitely fell off a, a cliff didn't it but then and you could say the same for Forster it's just not helpful is it when you're kind of you don't know if you're playing one week or not it's a very weird no. thing for a goal they're a different breed aren't they goalkeepers like absolutely they need to, an arm around their shoulder and they need to be told you're my number one and that seems to have happened this year with Alex or this season with Alex with the new contract and stuff which probably pays into you know, some of the good saves he's making. Final word on that game then, Glenn. Just um, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that Ralph picked the right team, but four changes. Was anybody surprised to see Walcott dropped and Carl Walker-Peters coming in? Uh, I I don't think so. Um, I think with Brozier missing, there, there was a worry that if, like if he'd just done a, a like-for-like replacement and we'd had one up plus Nathan Redmond, which we've been using recently. I think there was a bit of a worry that there wouldn't be a goal threat or much of a goal threat. But because he went with the with the two strikers, I think people were quite happy with that. wasn't re- I wasn't remotely surprised that that Prousey came back in. I kind of always thought that was going to be the case. So no, I think I don't think there were I don't think there were there were many sort of surprises, and I, I don't think there were many sort of like dissenting voices. I think there would have been there would have been more dissenting voices if um, if Walcott had been picked after after what happened against against Chelsea, where I mean, of course, he missed a penalty. Anyone can miss a penalty, but. He, you know, he didn't contribute a lot in that game, and and didn't contribute a lot in the last home game. So, so no, I think I think in the, in the main it was um it was a it was a it was a solid selection. I don't think anyone was sort of like too upset about any of it. Yeah, Walcott's not done a, not done a whole lot since his permanent deal, has he? Unfortunately, no. it's no. it's one of those. I think the the spell of form he had when he first re-signed for us on loan before he got injured just before Christmas. I think. That passage of play alone was probably that that run and get what ten games or so was probably enough to earn him the the permanent contract. And I don't I don't think there were that many kind of dissenting voices on that. But it's 
now looking like that's probably going to be a fairly expensive millstone around our neck for the next 18 months, isn't it? It's a, it's a bit similar to the Shane Long contract because he had a little run of form just before he got given a two-year deal. And Long and Walcott in many ways are quite similar in that they, they have a game that relies on their pace. And when you get into your 30s, you know, that does begin to go a little bit. And then you've got to fall back on your, you know, your footballing intelligence and your, your actual ability. And without being too rude about it, it's not a strength of either of them. Um, and, and once the pace does begin to go a bit, you, you do sort of like wonder. And I think in both cases, we've, we've been a little bit over-sentimental about it. But again, this is, this is benefit of hindsight because I was quite happy for us to sign Walcott I have, you know, I have to admit, but as Steve said, it's it's not looking like the best piece of business right now, and uh, we just have to uh, just have to hope that he can rediscover the form that he showed when he uh, when he initially turned up. Well, the good news is we're not relying on him, are we? There are people that can come in and uh, and do a job at the moment. Um, we're ten games in, which seems to me like a good time just to reflect on that first quarter of the season, if you like. Suddenly, things to me seem to be a bit more rosy top half of the table maybe by the next international break if we pick up a win does it feel like the squad is starting to fulfill its potential and are we bedding in now um there seems to be a a better understanding of the plan that's that's my assessment i just wonder what what you guys thought what do you how do you see it going so far steve i mean yeah we're we're getting there i mean let's let's be honest we've played we played a lot of the better sides at this, in that first portion of the season before the, the second international break. Did all right, play, played okay, didn't really get the results that perhaps the performances deserved. Since then, yeah, we've played some of the weaker sides, obviously took advantage of Leeds missing four or five of their regular first choice with a fairly small squad. And yeah, we've, I mean, we've got seven points, probably should be in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup based on based on the second half at least at, at Stamford Bridge on on Tuesday night. So yeah, we're we're looking we're looking a lot it's looking a lot more promising. There's there's less for there's less for people to obviously complain about. Um which I think is usually the the barometer that you're doing all right. I mean we're up to we're now up to more than the point a game. And if if you're getting more than the point a game then you're you're absolutely fine. You you're you're in no no immediate danger. And we've got, got still got got this run of games where I mean Villa at home suddenly is looking is looking a lot more winnable than it did probably a month ago. Yeah. Even though it's a Friday night and we're notoriously terrible on Friday nights. And um and then Norwich away, where I mean you, you would you would now say at this at this stage if you don't go to Norwich and win, then that's a that's a terrible result. And then obviously we we come into come into a couple of harder ones again. Um, but once we, once we um, once we get past get past those two games, get the get to the final international break of the year, I think that's that's a really good really good point to sort of um, to assess assess things as a whole because then you've you've played what probably two thirds of the teams once, um, so yeah, you've 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 got a good good handle on things at that at that stage. Um, I mean, that December run looks pretty brutal. So it's, I think now we're into that. Whereas obviously we knew we were playing catch up in the first portion of the the season. Now we're in the middle of our, right, let's, let's really excel, put our foot down and and accelerate and get, get loads of points in the bag because we know that start of December, all of a sudden things start to get really difficult again up until the new year. Um, And if we, at the end of the day, if we come out, come out the other side of Christmas and the new year in 14th, 15th. I think that'll be, that'll probably be reasonable. 
Dan, what's your assessment been of the first 10 games of the season? You've been fairly positive, haven't you, I think, with, with everything. And, and certainly, as you mentioned earlier, that run since that last international break, there seem to be so many at the moment, it is really positive and something to focus on and, and take forward. Absolutely. I think, as Steve said, Southampton didn't beat the teams that you no know, one really expected them to during that, that kind of first six or seven games or whatever it was, but got a couple of really good results. Well, that result against West Ham looks really good now. Obviously, the Man City one and Man United one. So they picked up some surprise points there, and we all said, didn't we? They, you know, the proof of the pudding will be how they do against the in the next run of matches. You know, that let's judge them on that. You know, Man City, Man United, Everton—that's not really their disco. You know, the teams they're playing now is what they should be judged against. And so far, seven points out of nine, they're doing a good job. Beat Villa next week, and it looks really good. Going into that international break, you know, ten points out of twelve. You've got Norwich beyond that and I mean I would be amazed if Daniel Farker is still in a job come, come that game <laughs> um, so you, they seem to like him <laughs> like, I'd be absolutely like mind blown if he I mean I, I was I watched the game earlier and like that you know it, it didn't sound great for him so and I think Stuart Webber coming out this week and kind of not really backing him but backing him a little bit you know, it paints a picture, doesn't it? So what Norwich are you going to get? It might be a new manager, Norwich, who knows? Um, but as Steve said, you know, if you go there and you're not winning, then something, some questions need to be answered. But yeah, overall, I think it's been it's been positive. It's been a good start. It's been a solid start. You know, the, the first run of games, they could have picked up a few more points here or there if they'd taken their chances or whatever. But I was always kind of of the opinion, let's judge them for this run of games. And so far, they're, they're excelling. So far, so good. Um, we need to talk about the the cup game during the week. I guess it was always going to be about the the lineups and the changes, a decent performance, and penalties is the lottery anyway, isn't it? So we can't have too many complaints, Glenn, can we? No, not at all. I thought we, you know, we went there and we we put in a decent showing. Um, Chelsea's team was still very strong. It wasn't as if they, um, you know, had a team of seventeen year olds or whatever. They they had a strong lineup. I think everyone looked at the eleven names that we put out and and put it in a you know the four two 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 formation. So it was a bit of a surprise when the game kicked off and you saw Walker Peters on the right hand side and it it's like, hang on, what's he doing over there? And then you realise well, I realised with horror that Jan Valery was playing centre-back. Oh, oh my God, how's that going to work? Um, and Lianco as well, you know, was he going to put in another Sheffield United performance? But I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. I, I, you know, I, I thought we put in a really decent performance. Soft goal to concede, very simple goal just before half-time. And you kind of think, okay, well, we'll probably go and get beat 2-0. But to, to get back into it, in the second half, it, it 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 set it up, and we had some really good chances to um, to win it. Of course, they had chances as well, and, and Fraser Forster was brilliant, basically backed up by uh, by some uh, really good defending by by the likes of uh, Lianco and Salisu again. You know, it would have been great. Will Smallbone had that chance with a header that w- that would have been a fantastic story if uh, he'd managed to put that anywhere other than straight at the goalkeeper. And we had the two glorious chances in the 93rd minute where the goalkeeper again pulled off two really good saves from uh, from Lianco and Salisu. So it was, you know, it, it was it was good. And it's hard to be negative about that performance. Some people have been, but it, it was, um, you know, I, I, like I say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and once you get the penalties, it, it's really weird how you can pick the players who you think are going to miss. And... I, you know, I knew Walcott had miss, and Smallbone looked terrified. But you know, and that and that penalty was—I wouldn't have gone in with two goals on top of each other, would it? It was—it um, was that high. 
but um, but there you go. You win some, you lose some on the penalty shootouts, and we won in the last round. So um, it's a. I know Chelsea did as well, but uh, y- your luck is going to run out as, at some point. But it was it was a good performance because um you know teams have gone to Stamford Bridge and got absolutely hammered, haven't they? So yeah, I can't complain too much about it. And Dan, you wrote about it this week, obviously, for The Athletic. I know you mentioned it on the pod last week. It's now going to be about keeping the rest of the squad happy. That is going to be a different challenge for Ralph. Yeah, I think it, it naturally will be because you've got players now that realistically might not play again until the FA Cup comes around in January, depending on kind of if everyone stays fit or you know a player might trip over, break their ankle, and all of a sudden they're, they're called on again. But there's a chance that some of these players may not start a game at least until then. And kind of always thought with the Carabao Cup, it was always a nice little carrot to kind of dangle in front of them. You're not going to be starting in the Premier League, but you'll be playing in the Carabao Cup. But having said that, I think, as Glenn said, that performance was really good. Really, really good at Stamford Bridge, I thought. Um, no one would have argued if Southampton had won that game, I, I don't think. And Ralph, I know kind of behind the scenes, he was like effusive about the whole thing. Like He was really really impressed by how they played. He obviously changed the system. They only had one training session to prepare for that Chelsea game. So I think that kind of speaks volumes of the of the, the, the kind of the levels the players brought onto the pitch. And I think, I mean, now, and obviously followed up by the Watford win, it's like a very healthy kind of positive, we're all in this together atmosphere. But my kind of big fear was that if results turn then the players who aren't playing because there's no kind of cup game, you know, they get a bit moody, get a bit chatty behind the scenes. But, you know, that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. But no, I, I always like a cup run. And I think it just helps when you have got kind of this two players for, for every position type thing that Ralph wants. It, it's easier to keep everyone happy. And I, I still stand by that. But yeah, we just have to see how it how it plays out. But I think if they keep on churning out good performances, good wins, clean sheets, then, you know, there'll be no complaints whatsoever. So... That, that's got to be the way forward. You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Next in the league, it's Aston Villa on Friday night at St Mary's. Um, what have you made of Villa's start to the season, Steve? I know we mentioned this a bit earlier, but it's been up and down and who knows what Villa team we're going to see on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have to look at the. I mean, Jack Grealish is obviously the key, the key ingredient um, for that football club, and with him gone, you can't replace like for like. And they've tried to replace him with basically three players that kind of do a bit of everything. Um, so obviously they've gone for Buendia, um, Danny Ings, of course, and um, oh, I can't remember who else they've. Uh, Leon Bailey. That was the one. Um, Leon Bailey. Bailey's actually been quite impressive. Ings has been all right in fits and starts, scored a couple of goals. Um, I mean, one of them was utterly meaningless, though. But it's, it, they've been, yeah, they've, I mean, they've just been a bit meh. I mean, for, for the amount of money that they've spent, that team should be looking like much more of an organised unit than it, than it is now. I mean, they kind of had the, they had the excuse of being sort of newly promoted two years ago for why they were struggling. And I mean, ultimately, if they'd been, if the if the pandemic hadn't struck, they'd have gone straight back down. Um, there's absolutely no way they'd have stayed up because they were just looking absolutely terrible. And, um, but they've, they've kicked on and obviously invested pretty heavily over the last couple of years. Um, certainly far more than the most clubs have, 
um, sort of around around our our area of the league table um, can justify, and yet they're a point below us. Which, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of surprising, but also, I mean, I wonder whether it's quite just, funny as well. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's hilarious. Given that their, I mean, their their fan base thinks they're absolute god's gift. They should they should be challenging for the title every year, and it's it's hilarious seeing them sort of constantly whinge. It's like, well, hang on, you, the last time you were relevant was 1982, which was before I was born. So that's, I mean, it's just ridiculous how um, how fans of clubs like that and for, I mean for, Forrester are, are another one although they've they've kind of tempered them had to temper themselves a little bit because I mean they haven't been in the top fight for 20 years now but yeah Villa, I mean Villa Villa seem to be one of those sort of sides that on their day they can give anybody a game but defensively they are liable to basically just just turn in one of those performances where they could conceivably concede five or six uh, Matt, Matt Target was excellent last season for them and it kind of looks in hindsight as if that was because he had Grealish in front of him for most of the season and he was a, he was there because he knew that Grealish was going to work back and help him out defensively he was able to bomb on and, and be quite an attacking fullback or wingback whereas now because um, Bailey's still getting used to the used to the side and used to the league and, and things like that all of a sudden Target's being found out and he's um, from what I've seen, he's been absolutely terrible this season. Well, we've got the momentum going forward. Friday night football at St Mary's under the lights. It should be a good atmosphere. Whether Danny Ings is available or not, um, didn't play today because of his hamstring injury. <laughs> he, he won't might, be. He might not get the warm welcome <laughs> that he deserves at St Mary's. Do we keep the same team, Glenn? Any changes for you for Villa? Um, if if Brozier's fit, I'd bring him back in. Okay, but um, yeah, I think you, you pick strikers with confidence, and I'd, I'd go with Brozier and Adams if he's going to go with with two strikers. Those two haven't played together yet, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Danny Ings is available. Didn't know snakes had hamstrings, but they clearly do. <laughs> clearly do. <laughs> there you go. Been saving that. Been saving that one up. Yeah, I mean. Villa, Villa. I mean, everything went through Jack Grealish last year, so Villa have had to remodel the way they 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 play basically. And he's he's kind of gone with two up front in in some games where he's had Ings and Watkins up there, and and he's but today he went with sort of like three up front with Ings being injured. So I don't know. Um, Dean Smith is a manager I don't like. I find him annoying. Um, he's kind of smug, like like Brendan Rodgers, but without the track record. To, to back it up. They've got some good players. I like um, Douglas Louise and McGinn's a decent player. Um, Mings usually plays well against us, funnily enough, but yeah. not not against anybody else. Although he was, he was dropped today, so... but Yeah, um, he was dropped today, but Konza got sent off, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Konza's their best centre-half, so he'll be missing against us, which is, which is handy, because that will, I would assume, bring Mings back into the team or uh, the lad they've got on loan from Man United. Um, oh, uh, Abbey. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I think I feel we owe Aston Villa for last season after the the Matty Cash incident at St Mary's. Um, where, uh, Matty Cash should have been sent off in both games last yeah. year, and he wasn't yeah. sent off. He wasn't sent off in either, and it was one of our um, one of the John Moss specials from last season. Um, but uh, I, I I feel like personally i feel like we owe, we owe them one and it would be it would be nice to give them their fifth defeat in a row well that brings us on to our score predictions and dan you got the watford score right 
um last week did i, did so I go 1-0 you obviously. went 1-0 yeah you went 1-0 i've so, got a couple of these right now i think yeah that, i think at least two <laughs> uh, which is better my... than any of the rest of us so um <laughs> i'll give top. you the honor of, i'll give you the honor of going first um for the villa game what do you reckon dan uh 2-1 southampton okay uh steve what are you saying uh we're finally going to work out how to stick the ball between those posts 3-1 confident uh glenn 2-0 2-0, right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, let's hope so. That's about it for episode 174. My thanks, as always, to Steve, to Glenn, and to Dan. Thanks, chaps. Have a great week, won't you? Will we'll do. do. Thank you. Uh, thanks also to our Matt Letizia tier patrons. That's Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, and Phil Cook, and also Nick Reed in our Francis Benali tier. You can find out more about becoming a TSP patron. Just check out the website where you can join our Bobby Stokes tier for just £5 a month. Uh, you can also find all the recent episodes of the Total Saints podcast on our YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out and hit subscribe. And don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. On the socials, if you want to join the conversation, it's at Total Saints Pod on Twitter and Facebook and you can always get in touch with us via the website. Thank you for listening and have a great week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.